0: So that's what we've come up with so far. Those are some of the things that we've talked about over the last few years and really matter to us. Um, Yeah, and as I said, we'll be adding it today, talking about uh, just kind of how we see ourselves functioning as a community. Um, It's a bit of a weird one because it's full of very strange people, and we can't help that. We didn't invite any of you or me, but here we all are together. We just work with what we've got, don't we? Uh, So what we're going to talk through first, um, and you can kind of like chuck up your hand or like press pause or whatever and ask questions of the stuff as we go along. What I'm going to try and do is kind of stack together a bunch of ideas that frame our practice and then talk about some of the, um, I guess, some of the risks that come with this approach. So um, we've got a few we believe statements. Um, You can, you know, subscribe to them as strongly as you believe them. That's okay. Ideas that frame our practice. First, we believe that God is at work in the world, calling all things to shalom, wholeness, reconciliation, beauty, something new, the kingdom now but not yet. As Jesus followers, we feel a particular sensitivity to looking at what God might be doing in the world around us, being aware that God's Spirit is everywhere, that God at all times and in every moment and every situation is calling the world and all of the cosmos towards the most loving, kind, and whole possibility, resisting death and resisting destruction, and that our job as Jesus' followers is to follow Jesus' invitation into seeing the world made whole. Seeing people being reconciled to God as a part of this, but not the whole thing. We are not trying to escape this terrible world to be snatched up to some cosmic sky cloud because God has come here and dwelt among us that this may be restored and be um, made new. So with that, that vision of what God is doing in the world around us shapes what we do as a community and what really matters to us. We believe that as Jesus followers, our bodies and lives are the temple of the Holy Spirit, not church buildings. There's a little verse from 1 Corinthians that I'm going to drop in on the conversation. Hello, <laughs> hello, beautiful granddad man. You want to? Uh... Yeah. Excellent. You just have a seat there. Good. Good. Um, so when someone uses a verse like this, it's called proof texting, <laughs> and it's a terrible and evil way of using scripture because it doesn't acknowledge the context around it. So if anyone uses a verse on you, and that makes you go, hmm, I don't know about that. Ask them about the context of the entire passage, what the author might have been trying to communicate, what the original recipients might have heard through their cultural lenses, so on and so forth. Except for when I do it in this occasion, because um, sometimes it's a necessary evil. Um, I've also um, provided a little of my own translation in this verse, which you'll pick up in a second, um, and I'll explain why. First Corinthians three, verse sixteen: Don't use know that use yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst. Um, this is a Kiwiism. Oh, um, you're probably not playing with the pedals. Does This kid not have parents or uncles or something? Goodness gracious, who's raising that child? Um, Uncle Ben is. Thank you, Uncle Ben. Um, So, I'm I'm a Kiwi, and um, I grew up with, um, in, in school, and particularly in primary school, I had lots of Maori friends who are the indigenous people of New Zealand. And um, I always thought that their English was poor because they would say use when talking about multiple people. Turns out that English is actually really good, or that English is actually a really useless language. Um, in Māori, there's a different word between you and you, 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 you. They're two different words. And so when Māori is speaking, in English, they often just pluralize you to try and make a yous, meaning I'm not talking about you in particular, I'm talking about you as a gathered people. That is a much, much better translation of this verse to acknowledge we see through a very Western individualized lens. So whenever we read you in Scripture, we think me. But what we should think most of the time and most of the contexts is, is us. Um, these letters weren't written to a person for the most part. A few of them were, most of them weren't. All of these letters were read in front of a community. And so when um, they talked about you, they were talking about yous, or an American, y'all. Bingo. So yous, are the temple of the Holy Spirit where God dwells. God is present not just in you individually. God is present not in any particular building, but God is present in the gathering and community and network of relationships and bonds of love that make up a group of people. And Paul here And this passage is trying to stop people acting against each other because he's going, if you destroy each other, you're destroying the place where God dwells. Stop it. Stop it. So when we talk about this bit here, what matters is this community of people and the network of relationships between us. The building is not a special place, other than it is a special place to us where this network of relationships gather. And that in this place, when we are together, somehow the mystery is that God is amongst us, even though you and me are here. And that's quite remarkable. The significant thing about 75 Reed Street is not that it is a church, the significant thing about it is that it's a place where we gather and as a whole heap of little wee temples joined together and be a place where God dwells, as much as we let God do so. The point being that it's worth fostering, um, that what is worth fostering as a community is whatever helps us live as representatives of the self-giving God. Kingdom and people matter. Building a strong brand for our church as a badge of honor doesn't really. So people knowing about or a North community church or that it doesn't it doesn't matter what matters is that this is a nourishing well we believe there are no special people who mediate God to us but that we are all called to be sacraments that represent God to all of creation a sacrament is a thin place it's a place where God and Earth, heaven and earth, spirit and flesh are made more apparent. There's a transparency to it. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, change translation. Yous, however, are called to be a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a people set apart to sing the praises of one who called you out of the darkness and into the wonderful divine light. And all we really want to say here is that um, in our community, we don't see pastors or other people who work for churches or who have particular gifts that are visible when we gather together as being more important or spiritual than other people, because that's just very, very silly. What really matters is when we do the work that aligns with God's kingdom. And all of us participate in that. In this place, love and respect is given to all. And if any are to be particularly favored, it is the most vulnerable among us. Because if you go to the New Testament over and over and over and over again, particularly in the Pauline letters, what is pushed is that none of us gloat and that special honor is given to those who in society have no honor. we see our role as pastors as facilitators of a safe and nourishing space for being the body of Christ together. We see our role as setting a table to gather around around, that we might go about whatever we, that as we go about um, whatever we do in the world outside of this place, that we are um, called to encourage and support and be reminded of the things that God is up to. In our role here as pastors, if We could be categorized as anything. We're kind of like the stay-at-home parent who cooks the food and sets the table when everyone has gone out and done all the things that needed to be done, that they gather together in a safe place. Um, Ironically, Rod and I are both part-time stay-at-home parents as well um, in our other lives. But we see that as being really central to how we view this place, that this place isn't the place where the real thing happens. This is the place where we are nourished and equipped to go and do what the real thing actually is, which is finding out what God is up to in the world, where healing is coming about, where things are being made new, where things are being made whole. And that when we gather together in this place, we are encouraged to not be assholes to one another, uh, to try and somehow pray for one another, to find where God is in and amongst one another, to find out what is going on in each other's lives as we go out and about our business, that we might want to encourage each other to do to remember who we are because it's so easy to forget, to remember what it is to follow Jesus who gave his life. That this place is not the place where it all happens. This is the place where we remember what is supposed to be happening. An important part of this includes discerning the energy level of the community and acting as a handbrake or spark plug accordingly. That's my what Ben would call a medium butch analogy by um, using a car. And I'm not sure if anyone knows about cars here in Fitzroy North, but I couldn't find an adequate bike one. Um, maybe pedal and handbrake? I'm not sure. Anyway, um, One of our jobs is to work out, is to help listen to a community and find out what we have energy for. Fitcher North is a really busy place. Like just as a suburb, the inner north, which is kind of our pool that we primarily draw from, this is our neighborhood, there's enough stuff going on already. And so if we're going to, everything we do here takes energy and resources from other places. And so I guess our job is not to create a vortex that everyone gets sucked into and drops their lives outside of this. There is already so much going on within the life of this community outside of this place, which is worthwhile and worthy and good. And so we want to be really careful that as a community that we keep on adding things that are nourishing to this community, but that we aren't tearing people away from what they're called to do outside of this place. Does that make sense? Any questions about that bit or comments we would like to bring? Cool. Oh, Kat.
1: Sorry, that was a very delayed response to your call. Um, I was just thinking that that's... One, one part of me loves that because um, I know that lots of church cultures um, end up being creating this kind of little bubble where you only ever interact with other people in your church um, and also an immense sense of obligation to um, only do churchy things. Um, but I also think one of the dangers of that is that for people who don't have a community and are really looking for a group to embrace them, um, that can be – there's a tension there because if we don't – if we have very loose boundaries, um, sometimes those people fall through the cracks.
0: Absolutely. (laughs) Stu's itching to say something. (laughs) If I must.
2: I was just thinking about from kind of like what you're saying, but almost from a personal level as well. Um, I guess I've gone through phases where it's been fantastic to have a bit less of that and more space to do my other things. Um, But even like in recent times, I've probably felt busy with other areas of my life and therefore um, eased back but now I find myself with a bit more time and realize I haven't picked up that slack. So when there's not external um, push to kind of motivate and maybe for a person who's already in a bit of a lethargic passive state, that doesn't kind of start a good momentum going as well, which is that same kind of tension of... um, I guess the question is, yeah, how do we best facilitate our personal and communal spiritual formation? Yeah.
0: If you're new here, this is the FNCC snowball where no one's got anything to say until someone starts talking and then we all do.
3: Well, I have to follow on from what Kat said and from what Stu said because I've got a young man sitting here on my right hand and uh, he wants to integrate into Australian society and is this going to be a church that helps him do that? And so that's my question. And, yeah, he's here this morning in in the hope that something like that might happen because that's what he would hope most of all. Otherwise, his own community want to hold on to him and want to hold him back. But he came here for a new life. And, uh, yeah, so that's a question.
0: I'd I'd probably supplement that question with the, the balancing act we've got is to ask the following question of what is the role of this place? um and that's a question we have to keep on asking and for different seasons as well is our role to meet every need that might be projected onto this community or is our role something else and that's i think a constant discerning process within a community like this to go what resources do we have and where do we like where do we put them what like what is our Responsibility, what is our centre? What do we want, do we want to do with that energy? I think it's a really good question.
4: Mm. Anyone?
0: Oh, we've got one, three. Okay, cool. We'll limit it to three more because.
5: Maybe I shouldn't have taken it. I haven't quite formed my thoughts. It, <laughs> it won't be that profound, I promise. um Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking it can be overwhelming. people It's very easy to get overwhelmed with the amount of ideas that people have and the idealism that people would like, but the reality is that um, it's in the small things, like it's really in the small things of working out what you're able to give, you know, that you might not be able to commit. Ideally, you might like the idea of having like a weekly, you know, dinner here for everybody to come, but practically you might not have the resources to do that, but maybe you can invite a couple of people for dinner once. (laughs) Or, you know, then in a few months' time or something, it's about really um, not undervaluing what your capacity is um, and, you know, that maybe you have the capacity to put your name down on the clean-up roster and, you know, and every second month you might be available to do it once. And that that's actually valuable because there's always doers in the community and that's a wrestle for people like me that... Um, yeah are willing to take on responsibility and say yes and you suddenly find yourself saying yes to heaps of little things and it adds up and feels overwhelming but if people can spread that out and not undervalue like whatever it is that you have to give ask offering for someone to go out for a coffee once it doesn't have to be all the time just when you do have the capacity to do that really does make a massive difference in how well people feel connected and
0: yeah. Well, one of our traits as a community is high enthusiasm and poor follow through um, a classic I mean like mentoring rosters is a classic example of that, literally we never have enough people to do the, the most basic thing that we do as a community is essentially have cups of tea and communion and literally we the only times we ever have enough people to fill out that enormous job is when we send out an email saying oh my gosh we're going to have to stop doing this because no one can do it and a hundred people sign up and that month we have a hundred people there, and the next month we have four. <laughs> yeah, uh, who was else?
1: One of the things I find interesting is to consider the difference between what you feel like doing and what's good for you to do, and to know where that space is. And I think that sort of follows what Stu was saying. Of sometimes it's hard to know what the drive or motivation is behind what we do.
0: Good observation.
6: Um, this isn't an idealistic comment, but it's just an experience that I had this week. Um, meeting someone, uh, I was at a high Episcopalian church um in New York, which I didn't end up I didn't expect to go to. Um, and I sat next to a stranger who said hello to me, and I ended up talking to him. And he um, ended up in New York as a Bangladeshi Muslim gay refugee who um, still identified as Muslim but chose to go to this church three times a week because he found a sanctuary there and he found shelter there and he found a kindness there that he hadn't experienced in his culture. And I don't necessarily think that that was an orchestrated program that facilitated that. I think that sometimes god in us and through us can do things that we don't um necessarily have to plan for or um program um yeah
0: those words i think it's pronounced muslim too is that no no it's not (laughs) we'll edit that out it's fine um right excellent We believe we are the church when we are gathered and when we're scattered. And I think this is really important because it's really hard to measure what we as a church do because we're not program-centric, but we also know that initiating programs on behalf of our church community that other people are already doing better than us is a really stupid idea. And it's really hard because we don't see the presence that this community has with the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre or with TEAR or with Red Cross or with visiting neighbours or with being kind to people in your workplace or working in emergency departments or singing songs or bringing beauty and life into the world in other ways. You can't say, this is our community doing this thing. But if you stripped what our community does in their lives away from the neighborhood to draw it all into one place, there would be lots of places that notice the absence. And I think that's really, really important to keep acknowledging. That as this place nourishes lives, we're able to go out and do the kinds of things that God is doing in the world. And it's by and large invisible unless you talk to people about what they're doing in the world. The risk here is that we're, lots of us were raised to think that churchy things are somehow more Jesus y than Jesus y things outside of churchy things. And we've just got to break that mentality. We need to acknowledge and support shalom making activities of all kinds and to create a life giving well to equip, connect, and remember. Uh, We believe that part of the call of this church is to give space on the margins to those in transition. Many people who are drawn to this community are unsure whether their next steps will lead towards or away from faith or what kind of faith they will move towards or away from. Whether they feel like church and churchy things are going to be a part of their lives in the future or people who are really fractured and burned and traumatized by previous experiences but somehow find themselves back in a church that's a huge part of our vocation as a community I'm not looking at any of all of you in particular but uh, <laughs> i probably don't even need to elaborate this point because this is most of us so space on the margins really really matters for us that some people come here for their faith to die in a gracious and kind way but at least in a way where they know the door is always open if they find themselves back with it some people come here To find something more reasonable or kind or something that they needed to be able to spark that spark of life again and we want to honor that that in the last seven or eight years as a community that has been a constant theme and narrative that people come and say i can sit on the edges and watch what's going on and work out whether it's safe for me and we we think that's really important we are open to what God might ask us to do together in the future. So our season at the moment um, has been one of just survival, of just working out how to be a community together. One day, we might feel led and energized and called towards certain projects or events or some things that we band, we band some of our energy together. And we don't want to close the door on that and say we are this kind of church, not that kind of church. We want to be open, and this is the the Pentecostal mystic side of some of us but we want to be open to what the spirit might be doing amongst us that if at some point there is an energy that gathers around something that we don't say no to that out of habit but that we are open to that but also that we make sure that whatever we start we can follow through on because our experience again has been that starting projects is really really easy and sometimes we get involved in people's lives and promise them that we'll be there for them and then in three months time unable to do so And for some um, groups in the community, their experience of churches is showing up and leaving and showing up and leaving and showing up and leaving and showing up and leaving. And And I think we've got to be incredibly careful with what we promise people who are in vulnerable spaces. Risks we run with this approach. So you've already touched on some of them because you're geniuses. Um, the risk, I guess one of the risks we run is a hollow center. Um, what have I written up there? Oh, yeah, that's good. Same as what's on my paper. That's nice. Um, this is what I call the enough space slash stable core balance. We want to give space, but we need a core of people to actually provide that space. So if if you envisage it like a circle, if everyone's just sitting right on the very outside saying, I'm glad, isn't it great how this just all happens, (laughs) then there's not actually a core to actually hold that space together. So this is a balancing act that we're trying to learn as we go. But I guess what we don't want to do is pressure people who aren't ready to occupy the centre, but we also don't want to say, hey, it's okay, we don't need a centre. This all just happens. This leads into what I into our second thing, which is what is called magic elf syndrome. <laughs> um, where churches are these amazing places that every Sunday it all just happens regardless if anyone does anything or not. <laughs> because there's these magic elves that turn up who make everything happen and do all the things. And it's a little bit like Scooby-Doo that one day, you know, you rip the mask off the magic elf and it's like, two or three long-term parishioners or one burned-out staff member who like, now hates everyone <laughs> because they're the ones who have magically been making it happen the entire time. And we want to be a resentment-free community where our experience of this is not that there are a couple of people in the center burning out so that everyone else can just have like a cruise ship adventure. Um, we want to find some balance in that. Churches don't just happen, communities don't just happen. And not just this stuff, not just talking and singing and teas and coffees and things, but what others were talking about, cups of cups of tea during the week, prayer for each other, being a friend, being kind. If we all kind of treat this space like it's just gonna happen, then there's gonna be a few people who in ten years time are really gonna hate you all. and we don't want resentment to be a part of our story. We wanna just keep on being honest together. Um, This is the last one that I came up with anyway. Um, Suffering suffering from the lack of a visible project. Um, One of the things, again, that we've been trained out of, we've been trained to see a community of Christians not being an actual project, as if it's not very hard when it really is. any church growth strategist will tell you two things straight off in Australia. Number one, get air conditioning. You will raise your congregation by 30% if you get air conditioning. Statistically, it's true. Because on hot weekends, people are looking for a cold place to go to. Why do you think that all morgues are air conditioned? Second, if you want to keep on growing a church, the second thing you do is start another building project. But we don't need another building. Don't care. Start another building project. It's true. I know many churches, <laughs> some of which I've been a part of, that this is being a very conscious strategy. Because people building something together that you can see and giving money and sacrificing to like do something physical that doesn't just disappear, that feels like you're getting somewhere and you're doing something. And that's a really, really handy rallying point. But Eugene Peterson, who's the pastor who's been around for a while and is worth listening to, says it's a distraction. Sometimes you need a building, but it's a distraction from the real work of actually learning how to live with that other idiot beside you and love them even though they're really annoying. That's the real work. But it's not very visible. And so I guess one of the things that we risk here as a community is that not having really strong visible projects can make us feel like we're not actually doing anything. We're actually learning to live in peace with one another. Again, if you go back to the epistles, if you go back to the New Testament, what is it about? (laughs) Most of the conversations are about not mauling each other in the process and not letting a few people take all of the glory for everything. That's what keeps on coming back to over and over again, and then raising the money for people who are going to suffer. Those are the things that happen over and over again. And that's our challenge too. And it's hard. We've already got a building, so there's not going to be any new building projects anytime soon. We may have a fixing the roof project at some stage by the looks, but, you know, we'll get there. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of how our community functions, that we see ourselves as being a life-giving well, primarily, where we remember and are nourished and be together as little temples that all of us together acknowledge the presence of God in each other, and that whatever happens in here, we put our attention to what's going to facilitate and help make that happen. Any comments on that? Feel free to push back or ask questions. I'm not... Convinced to answer them all, but you have anything to say?
3: I'll just make a bit of a comment of the lack of a visible project because I've been in part of also churches that have made a big deal out of buildings, and from a planning perspective, I work in planning and environment. Um, Firstly, there just aren't any spaces, enough spaces in the community for visible projects like that. And increasingly, on the growth boundaries of Melbourne, you'll find that people actually don't want churches. You know, they did a survey of one particular community in the northwest, and churches are way down at the bottom. So it just goes to show, even if you want to do that, there isn't capacity and willingness in the broader community to to take that on. So yeah, and and my project, where Rach and I live in the middle of the city is where we are seven days a week. So that's our visible project. And I agree totally. Thank you, Shane, because you've just nailed it. It's a it's a well I find this so useful as a, firstly, as a pedagogical community. I've I've always uh, found myself kind of defending. Yeah, pedagogical, in terms of teaching, sorry. Yeah, uh, it's really useful because I, I've always uh, found that, the way that the, uh, the FNCC snowball happens is so, is so encouraging that uh, you, all your voices are, are given a, a place and are valued, and that helps me so much. As a listener, as a participant, um, you all, and Shane and um, sort of typifies this, you, you want to give each other space, and that's so hard to find, so that's, um, that's really worthwhile. as as being part of the community, it's more worthwhile than a visible project.
0: Thank you. So what you're really saying was you should bulldoze us and build a playground? Yeah, okay. Thank you. You Um,
7: I don't have anything profound to say except that it's been encouraging as someone who's visited for a while and then been able to be around a bit more often recently um, to see the way that all of this is playing out. Um, And I know when we started visiting, like, yeah, you didn't see the same people every week and nobody was really that around and it was kind of like, yeah, we don't really run anything because nobody wants to. Um, And it's really... um, yeah encouraging and exciting for me to see now like a little I don't want to say anything that's not true but I feel a bit more health kind of returning to people and um, it feels I feel like there's things are growing and it's that's on us too I think it's interesting being in a community where yeah it's not that you guys are going to tell us what's happening and then we'll do it um but it's really nice to be able to be in a place where I can come and go oh I feel like I have something to give let's do this thing um and so it's nice to kind of see people around and be like oh maybe there's some direction and there's some um there's room for people to have something to bring um yeah anyway
4: Uh, I haven't quite figured out the best way to say this, but I think I just wanted to add on to some of the comments that people have made around um, the space that we create here. I think that that's one of the things that's most important and it's one of the things that for those of us that have been around for a while have fought really hard for. Um, But also just to, I guess, back up some of what you've said, Shane, but in terms of how much time and energy that takes... Um, and as someone who's been around for a long time and a lot of the time behind the scenes and in a lot of the challenging conversations that have happened over a number of years to mean that the community um, is where it is. And yeah, I think that often you have no idea of just what's kind of happening to mean that this space still exists in the way that it does. And that for people like Shane and Rod and a few uh, the rest of us who have been in board roles or in um, staff roles that yeah a lot of the other stuff will come I think in time but actually to not underestimate just how much time and energy and effort has gone into ensuring that we still exist in the way that we do because I think this is an incredibly precious thing but we've had to fight pretty hard in lots of ways to um, to mean that it still exists in this way so yeah
0: yeah that's worth a lot yeah Yeah, and then to do so in a way that no one's burning out and it's going to get resentful. It's a really hard balancing act. There's always more to do. But we're determined not to have bitter families and for ourselves to be bitter or to to use anyone here in a way which leaves them bitter at the end of it. And that's a, a tricky balancing act. But yeah, yeah. Hopefully, in what is seen and unseen, that somehow the kingdom of God has participated with in this community. It's amazing. So much crap in the world, but there's also so much beauty and goodness happening out there. There's so many things being made whole. And yeah, I just really hope that we're a place that encourages participation in that. Mm.